Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for joining us on one of the 42 radio stations on iTunes, on YouTube, or on the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, we have a fantastic show for you today. We're going to discuss REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust. You know, REITs are a great way to achieve most all the benefits that you get from investing in commercial real estate. So we're going to start off with quickly with some of the basics, and then we'll get into more in-depth discussions regarding REITs. Please welcome my guests, Brad Case and Calvin Shore. They're with NARI, the National Association of Real Estate Investment Trusts, and they're joining us today on Skype. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. That's a pleasure, Michael. Thanks for having us back. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, it was very enlightening uh, last year, and there's certainly been a lot going on with uh, commercial real estate and the stock market and the economy, so uh, I'm anxious to hear from you guys and see what's going on now. And to get us started, for some of our listeners, what's the quick definition of, hey, what is a REIT? Well, a REIT uh, is a company whose main business is the ownership of real estate assets. There are, there are two basic kinds of, of REITs. Uh, there are what we call equity REITs, which are which are companies that own properties. Um, they own, you know, they own. They can own lots of different kinds of properties, but their income comes from the lease rents that their tenants pay for being in those properties. And then the the second kind of REIT is called a mortgage REIT, and, and its assets are are real estate debt, um, maybe maybe loans, maybe a mortgage-backed securities, and their income comes from the payments that the borrowers make on that debt. So REITs are a way for individuals to invest in the real estate asset class, um, either on the equity side, the buildings, or the debt side. Okay. And then you have, what, public uh, REITs and public non-listed REITs and private REITs. Tell us the difference uh, on those three. Yeah, so public REITs are companies that, that have filed, uh, that have met uh, uh, requirements from the SEC so that they can make their investments available to any investor. Um, a public REITs come in, come in two types. They're what we call listed REITs. They're, they're traded on a stock exchange. And I think there are 198 REITs right now that are traded on the New York Stock Exchange, for example, out of, I think, 240, 224 total publicly traded REITs. There are also public REITs that are not traded on exchanges. Um, and then separately, we have what we call private REITs, and we don't really know anything about that. They're, they meet the definition. They meet the requirements for a REIT, but they're not available for you and me to invest in. And so we, we don't really really have any idea um, how many there are, what kind of investments they make, what kind of uh, returns they provide their investors. But so we don't really uh, we don't really have much to say about them because they're not available to to investors. I see. They're not invest. They're not available to investors online. So therefore, they also may not be as liquid. Correct. Yeah, liquidity isn't really a concern for it's a concern for private REITs. Uh, uh, we have no idea what their liquidity situation is. Right. Okay. And so there's about 224 uh, uh, public REITs today. Yes, that's right. Okay. 224 public listed REITs in right. in the FTSE NA REIT all REITs index. Okay. There are also about 70 others that are public that are not listed, that are sold through brokers and financial advisors. Okay, and so for those REITs, uh, people can go online and invest in them, they're very liquid, and to invest in private REITs, they just gotta find a way to do that uh, privately, right? Yeah, there's no real way to invest in a private REIT. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not it's not made avail available for investment. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, so investors can, actually, can either purchase stock in a listed REIT, just the way they purchase stock in any other company, you know, IBM or Apple or something like that, or if they get into uh, a, a public non 
listed read, as Calvin says. Um, the way they do that is that they that they work through a broker um, who invest who uh, gives their money to the REIT to invest. Okay, and how do investors do their due diligence if if they want to invest in REITs? They understand REITs at this point, and now they're looking at the various REITs. How do they do their uh, due diligence on on the underlying properties and on the sponsors and, and on past performance? So, uh, so there are a couple of things that that you that you should be looking at. Number one, you, when you're investing in a single REIT, you're investing in the particular portfolio of properties that they have. So you want to know something about the types of properties that they invest in and most publicly traded REITs uh, uh, focus on a particular property type uh, you know apartment properties or retail properties and in fact often a subtype such as large regional shopping malls um, and then on top of that they also invest in a particular place in the country most uh, most large REITs have uh, portfolios all around the country but some of them do focus on you know the southeast or uh, new york city or the west coast or or or, or, or areas like that so you want to have a sense of what are the economic conditions for that property type and in that part of the market and then the third thing that you want to pay attention to is the ownership of the REIT for example one of the main things that determines how successful any investment is is the question does the manager understand what they are especially good at and focus on that um, and so, so REITs will tend to have either a geographic focus or a property type focus, but you want the management to understand what they're good at and make sure that that's what they're spending their time on. And how do you figure that out? Let me also add that mm -hmm. there's, there's quite a bit of information available for someone who wants to do the due diligence for the listed, uh, the publicly traded listed REITs. First of all, their financial reports are all available online uh, through their website, through the SEC's website. They're registered with the SEC, plus the larger ones are all followed by equity analysts. Uh, there are equity reports, equity analyst reports over most of these major REITs uh, and all the sectors. There's a lot of information that you can find out before you put your money down. And Calvin, is that how you'd figure out uh, a little bit more about the, the sponsors, about the managers? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear your question. Is that how you'd find out more about the sponsors, how, the people owning, managing the REIT? Yeah, you can find out lots of information about, about uh, the, the management, the whole the whole structure of how it's run, what their costs are, the management structure. That's all available. Uh, they're very they're very transparent. It's not something where you're putting money into a blind pool. This is one of the most transparent investments an investor can take. Right. And in fact, one of the shortcuts that investors can use is our own website, which is REIT.com, R-E-I-T.com. And from the REIT.com website, we actually have links to the individual companies' websites for most of the uh, most of the REITs that are available for investors to to invest in. So, if you go to our website, you can screen out REITs uh, according to uh, which property type you're interested, or according to which part of the country you would like a REIT that's you know that's according to their headquarters state, for example. And then from there, um, you can use the links to go to their website and get more information about their management um, as well as about their portfolio. And I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Brad, because your website's a fantastic resource for people looking to invest with REITs. And, and I urge you, if you're listening to this show uh, and you're not driving, uh, to go online and check out uh, REIT.com now. While you're listening to this show, there's some great information there. And, and one of the things you guys mentioned was uh, the specialties and uh, the property types that these REITs are investing in. And like you said, most of them are specializing in one sector. And to these, these days, there's some uh, new sectors and some specialties aren't there 
Yeah, you know, um, the the REIT market, uh, the REIT rules are intended to encompass all types of real estate that produce income for investors to, to tap. Now, Congress set up REITs so that investors would be able to get the returns from investing in real estate without necessarily having the resources to buy an office building or or, or buy a hotel. Um, but as, as you say, you know, the, the, the selection of, of property types that's available for investors does change over time. So at, at, at times in the market, for example, you know, one of the growth areas in, in the economy is you know, you know, online services. And so one of the parts of the REIT industry is what we call data center REITs, REITs whose business is the ownership and management of specialized biz, uh, buildings uh, where computer servers are housed. And so, um, and, and, and so if, you, if you want to invest in uh, that segment of the economy. In the cloud, um, right? You but can invest, you want to do it you can invest through, um, in the cloud, right? <laughs> a, a mechanism that gives you steady income as well as capital appreciation, then you can choose REITs that focus on that part of the economy. That's right. It's also important to note that these newer property types are in the context of a very broad market in the core types. If you're interested in investing in retail properties, office properties, apartments, those are long established properties that are, make up the bulk of the REIT index. Uh, you also have things like healthcare that 20 years ago was considered a new asset class, but now it's a, it's a fairly traditional asset class and, and continues to provide very good returns. And these newer sectors that Brad was just talking about are just ways of showing how individual investors can invest and participate in these sectors of the economy. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, you invest in specialties like self-storage and uh, there's a billboard REIT now, right? Yes, sir, here it is. Yeah, so, so it's amazing. Well, we're going to have to take a short break and when we get back, we'll talk about some more of the benefits of investing in REITs and we're going to talk about some of the dividend examples. The nice things about these REITs is they're, they're paying dividends. Uh, so we'll get some uh, more ideas and see how rising interest rates might impact REITs and commercial real estate. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Excelligen, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today we're talking about REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust. We have Calvin Schnoor and Brad Case with us. They're with NAREIT, the National Association of Real Estate Investment Trusts. And gentlemen, before the break, we talked about dividends and uh, these REITs uh, pay dividends. Tell us a little bit about that, why they pay dividends and why they're, they're required to, right? And then also uh, a little bit of history of maybe some of the dividends that are being paid. Yeah, sure. You know, a well-managed commercial property throws off income every every month as the tenants pay it. And before 1960, you were able to get that stream of income only if you could afford to buy the properties. But what the REITs do is they make it av available to individual investors. And specifically, REITs are actually required to pay out at least 90% of their taxable income every year. And generally, they pay out 100% of their taxable income, if not more. And so, it, so it's very, very similar to actually owning the properties because if a property increases in value and your ownership comes through owning stock in a REIT, then you participate in the increase in value. But in, at the same time, every month as the, uh, as the um, tenants are paying money into the REIT, uh, the REIT may be 
making payments out to its investors. And so you have a very, very steady stream of income. If you look at, at the returns of REITs over a very long period of time, and we, go, we have data going back to 1972, but the total returns average, have averaged better than 11% per year, and about half of that um, has been income. So income return for REIT investors has been in the 55 to 6% range per year for, uh, for more than 40 years. That points out another interesting, uh, very important piece about REITs as an investment. When people talk about real estate, many people think, well, I own my home. Why should I own real estate? What we're talking about here is commercial real estate, specifically income producing commercial real estate. So these are buildings that have leases with tenants, usually long-term leases, so it's a fairly stable, uh, somewhat predictable income source that then is passed on to the individual investors. So just because someone owns a home does not mean they have a well-diversified portfolio where you can get income through commercial real estate. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's not speculative uh, typically either. Like you said, there's an income stream here that they're buying. I remember when the market got so uh, hot uh, before the meltdown, you know, you go to a cocktail party and everybody's talking about the, the condos and houses uh, they're buying. They might even be flipping the contracts. And they're buying, yeah. they're buying on speculation, right? There's no income stream there. Uh, the REITs, you've got an income stream. Yeah, in fact, that's an important point. REITs, REITs cannot be primarily developers. They cannot be primarily in the business of buying and selling properties. So it's not speculative in either of those senses. The business really is the ownership and the management of these income-producing real estate assets. So how- and this actually translates into a pretty sizable difference. The current dividend yield on REITs is about 4.2%, which is almost exactly twice the dividend yield on the S&P, two times the dividend mm-hmm. yield. So if an investor is looking for current income in the form of dividends with the possibility of capital gains on the price increases, uh, REITs give you twice as much as the broad stock market. Okay. And how about historically, if you go back to, say, 72 to now and compare it to the market? Yeah, you know, over the last 40 years, uh, REIT returns have averaged more than 13% per year. Now, that's a little bit misleading because 40 years ago happened to be a down downtime in the in the US economy. But over long periods of time, what we've generally seen is that REIT returns have been a little bit better than the rest of the stock market, whether that's the S&P 500, which measures large cap stocks, or whether it's you know the Russell 2000 or the R2V, which measures small cap value stocks. REITs have t- typically uh, provided returns that are a little bit higher than those, with a little bit less volatility. But the most important, uh, the most important um, uh, really benefit that REIT investors have had is that the real estate market cycle is very different from the stock market cycle that drives the returns of essentially all of, all other companies trade in the stock market. And because this, the real estate market cycle is so different, REIT investors have a diversification benefit that you don't get by investing in other segments of the stock market. If you if you look at tech stocks and financial stocks and industrial stocks, yeah, from month to month they may move differently, but over long periods of time, they're really driven by the same market cycle, whereas the real estate market cycle is much longer. Right, and that's a good point for people to uh, to acknowledge, too. And also, you have the fluctuations in the market will affect REITs, right? So it's not as volatile, but there's some volatility there. Talk to us about that, because it's, it's kind of interesting, because the you know you look at the value of the underlying real estate, and the cash flows in the real estate it probably hasn't changed, but yet the value of the stock is adjusting from time to time, right? 
Yeah, you know, the, for any asset, whether it's a stock or a bond or anything like anything else, the value of that asset is determined by two things. One is the flow of income that you get by owning that asset. For a building, that's the flow of lease payments. For you know, uh, General Motors, it's the flow of you know the net uh, the net earnings from selling selling automobiles. Um, and then the other thing that affects the value of the asset is the discount rates that tell us how much you know an income flow several years from now is worth in today's terms. Those discount rates change from day to day, and that's something that drives all assets: stocks, bonds, and real estate. Um, even though the cash flows don't change, as you say. Right. Something else important to keep in mind when you're looking at uh, listed REITs and their short-term price fluctuations compared with, say, some other illiquid investment that doesn't appear to have a short-term price fluctuation is those REIT prices are telling you what you could get if you had to sell it today. If you wanted to sell a building, a longer-lived asset, uh, during a period of economic turmoil, yeah, you just might not be able to sell it. That's not going to be reflected in the recorded prices because those transactions don't take place during the period where some of the buyers might be scared away. Uh, so what the REITs are doing, if they have fluctuations on uh, economic news, is they're telling you right now how the economic news affects the value of what you're holding. So it doesn't mean that this is some risk that you wouldn't have if you were in a less liquid investment. It's saying you know the price of the risk that's in your portfolio. It's the same risks, it's just that the REIT shows that up front. Yeah, you may have the same cash flows but in terms of what kind of spending can I finance today because I own this asset, with a REIT, the spending that you can finance today is essentially the same as the value of your stock because you can sell it today. With a building, the spending you can finance today from owning that building is zero because it'll take you six months to a year to sell it. Okay, and I want to see if we have time to get into this, but I know one of the questions on the minds of my listeners and viewers is how rising interest rates might impact commercial real estate and then REITs in particular. Well, it's certainly been an interesting year. Um, I just want to repeat what Brad was saying about the way that you do the valuations. What determines the value is what income you're going to get paid and what the property is worth. There's a big difference in economic environments where you have a, a growing economy that is continuing to rise, continuing to generate income for REITs and dividends uh, versus something that is overheating where the Federal Reserve wants to slow it. There's a big distinction in the market between interest rate increases in a period of rising earnings where you expect more growth in the future uh, versus something where the Fed is trying to slow the economy, which, which really is going to hurt valuations quite a bit. And you see that if you look over, over history, that in, in most periods, when interest rates are rising because you can see interest rates are rising because you see stronger earnings potential, uh, REITs do quite well. That doesn't mean that they always do well when there are interest rate when there's interest rate news and actually that's one thing that we've seen quite a bit lately uh, one thing that comes out of some analysis that we've done is most periods of rising interest rates REITs have performed well but every time that the Federal Reserve has changed its policy rate or has been contemplating changing its policy rate REITs have had periods where they sold off in 2004 they sold off quite a bit uh, we saw the taper tantrum two years ago after they've sold off though you've seen continued rising earnings REITs did very well 2004 5 and 6 uh, and they did very well last year. So we've seen a lot of news, a lot of concern about it, but the important, important point is the rising earnings really do make it a good investment still. Okay, well, we're gonna take a short break here, but we're gonna talk some more about rising interest rates and how that might impact REITs. So stay tuned, we'll have more for you. Stay with us, I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. 
The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Uh, my producer reminded me to tell you guys, my listeners out there, uh, please come see us. I'll be in San Diego uh, next Sunday speaking at the National Association of Realtors uh, Conference and Expo, 1.30 on Sunday. I'll be there in San Diego. I'll be speaking about the top 10 success strategies for commercial agents. So if you uh, attend the event, please uh, come by and see us. Well, today we're talking about REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust. We have Calvin Schnoor and Brad Case with NAREIT with us. And, and gentlemen, as we're talking about before the break, I think a lot of people have varying opinions on how rising interest rates might impact commercial real estate. But what would be the difference in the uh, how rising interest rates might impact commercial real estate and in how they might impact REITs? Yeah, you know, we mentioned before that that uh, that real estate throws off very strong, steady income because it because it, it's the lease payments from the tenants, and REIT investors get that because REITs are required to distribute most of their taxable income, and so uh, so that has led people to say that real estate and REITs are kind of like bonds. They, they you know very very steady income. The steady income part is correct, but that doesn't mean it's like bonds. Uh, when interest rates go up, the value of a bond goes down, and the reason is that bonds are fixed income assets. So the income doesn't change even if the interest rates go up. And the, and the reason that's important is that typically, as Calvin said, when interest rates go up, it's usually because the economy is doing better. So with a fixed income instrument, you don't participate in that improvement in the economy. Instead, your discount rate goes up and the value asset goes down. But with real estate and REITs, um, it, when in interest rates go up because the economy is improving, then you are participating in that economic growth. The, the, the income stream that the real estate produces increases. That increases the payments that you as an investor get, and that increases the value of your assets. Now, that's not a guaranteed relationship. As Calvin mentions, other things affect the, the, the values of assets. And so there have been times when interest rates are going up, but REIT property uh, values, uh, REIT asset values are going down. Um, but the normal uh, re response, historically speaking, to in periods when interest rates have been increasing, is that REIT investors have done well, and in many cases quite well, because of the fact that the value of their investment in real estate is in, is is increasing. Also, another way to Another thing to keep in mind is uh, the cap rates right now are are quite low. I know it's reasonable. The people are asking the question about the exposure to uh, to interest rates because cap rates right now are about where they were in 2005, six uh, uh, in the in the run up before uh, a decade ago. Uh, this raises the question of if cap rates are so low, are the sectors both commercial real estate and the REITs that are investing in commercial real estate are they going to be exposed to interest rate increases? Because the cap rate is very similar to a bond yield; it's the net operating income divided by the value, the, market, the current market value of the property. What's different now from 10 years ago is the treasuries are so much lower. The yield on treasuries is so much lower than it was 10 years ago. So the cap rate spread to the treasury rate, which is really what matters for the investors, the cap rate spread to treasuries 
is 75 basis points, 100 basis points, maybe more, wide to where it was a decade ago. What that means is we have room for a 75 to 100 basis point increase in treasury yields without really having any impact on real estate valuations. Um, and this is going to happen during a period where we're seeing net, op net operating income rising pretty strongly. So the increase in net operating income is going to allow cap rates to rise organically uh, with continued property valuation. Yeah, and that makes sense that uh, as the economy does better, uh, you'll have more demand for commercial real estate and, and potentially higher rental rates and, and higher occupancy. But what do you say to the investor who feels like, well, some of these REITs do have some amount of secured debt on these properties, and if their cost of capital on the secured debt goes up, that it could, could hurt the valuation uh, of the REITs? Two points. First of all, a lot of the debt's long-term. A lot of the debt is long-term, so it's not going to reprice fairly quickly. Um, the other is long-term interest rates are low and are likely to stay low. We're in a global environment with no threat of inflation, with a lot of liquidity, uh, yields are low across across all the countries, not just the U.S. Uh, the Federal Reserve has made it pretty clear that they're going to be uh, quite gradual in rate increases, so it would be highly unusual to anticipate a sharp spike in borrowing costs here. Yeah, now, well-run read is, is paying attention to its exposure to the possibility of increased interest rates, so it's it's locking in fixed rate debt when, when interest rates are low, it's making sure that it's prepared uh, so that any, any increase in borrowing costs doesn't, doesn't hurt it. And in fact, if it's got fixed rate debt and interest rates in the market go up, then the value of that fixed rate debt goes down. That actually improves their balance sheets. Yeah. Yeah. I think a, a small increase in interest rates would be a good signal to, to everyone. I think that the economy is doing better. Well, we're going to have to take a short break. When we get back, when I ask the question about bubble, there's some people talking about some of these assets may be overpriced. We'll get their opinion. We'll be right back. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like to shake hands with decision makers in your favorite commercial real estate sector? Visit interfaceconferencegroup.com for multifamily student and senior housing to net lease and healthcare conferences all over the country. Visit interfaceconferencegroup.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show, where we always like to have fun. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Today we're talking about REITs, and we have Calvin Schnorr with us and Brad Case uh, joining us from D.C. on Skype, and glad to have you guys with us. And i got a question for you, gentlemen. What do you say to the folks who are suggesting that commercial real estate is in a bubble situation, that these, what some people are saying, uh, are artificially low uh, costs of capital are creating uh, overvalued assets uh, of all types and especially commercial real estate and they point to you know three percent two and a half percent cap rates and in some of these core assets and some of the gateway markets and suggest maybe these folks are overpaying or these these assets are overvalued you should keep in mind the the things that you see when you have a, a bubble that bursts uh, probably the biggest thing that you see you've had overbuilding 
you have a lot of construction, you have excess capacity coming on the market. Uh, and if this happens at a time when demand starts to slow, you see the other thing is where you'll see uh, rising vacancy rates, you'll see slowing rent growth. Uh, you know, the, the fact the, the the combination of overbuilding and some weakening demand and slowing rent growth uh, many times also comes where you have very rapid debt growth. Uh, you put those three things together and that's a real warning sign. But where are we right now? We're actually seeing a fairly moderate level of construction. Sure, sure, there's a lot more construction than there was two or three years ago, but it's normal to see trains in the city. Uh, I think from 2009, 10, 11, 12, a lot of people got used to walking around the skyline and you don't see those uh, construction projects going and now they're cropping up. So it's got some people worried. But if you look at the total amount of uh, construction on commercial real estate, uh, it's, it's only about back to where it was 20 years ago in inflation adjusted terms. So it's really not in, it's, it's not well into a boom phase even yet. Um, and we're seeing continued rising occupancy that's supporting solid rent growth across most of the property types. Um, office and apartment are doing you know, reasonably well. CBD offices are doing very well. Uh, the retail sector is still lagging a little bit. Uh, but, but then the final point here is are we seeing excessive leverage? You mentioned the low cost of debt or low cost of capital. Um, you're seeing more lending. Lending had been really slow for quite a while, but it's, it's only growing at about 6%, 7%. Uh, annually. That's about half of the rate that it was uh, a decade ago. So we're not seeing overproduction. We're not seeing rising vacancy rates. We're not seeing a lot of debt use. That suggests that what we're seeing is property price appreciation is really affecting solid fundamentals in the sector. Yeah, I would agree. I, I'm, I'm also quite optimistic about the, about the state of the real estate economy generally. Um, I think that, that the only thing that gives me some pause is that we have seen a difference in valuation in the public and private sides of the real estate market. And this can happen depending on the way that capital is raised. So what we've seen recently is that some of the big deals, and you mentioned uh, some of the gateway cities, some of the big deals that we've seen in those gateway cities have been uh, have been buyers from outside of the U.S. Uh, trying to make sure that their money is safe by putting it in very high quality assets in very, in very large uh, economic centers in this country. And that's fine. Um, but it has resulted in a difference in values where uh, values being paid in the private part of the real estate market seem to be higher uh, than values paid for REITs. And REITs have been taking advantage of that in some cases by selling assets to the private side of the market. And that's what we call public-private arbitrage. It's a real opportunity for REIT managers to create value for shareholders by taking advantage of that difference in valuations. So going forward, I expect that difference in valuations to close probably through some combination of improvement in REIT stock prices and maybe some softening in the rate of growth of private real estate values. Yeah, well that makes a lot of sense and and back to the the bubble question itself, I think it's hard to suggest that it's a bubble when Calvin, like you said, we, we have rising uh, rents, we have rising occupancy uh, and we have such a severe lack of, of new construction and then when you add the the economy, like you said, the economy is improving so the outlook for the need for commercial real estate looks fantastic, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and, I, and I stress three things. Um, one of them is uh, you. I'm see if I can remember which three they are. Uh, one of them is you need to have continued strong fundamentals. You need to have continued uh, job growth, uh, real GDP growth, economy continuing to grow. The other is at some point the construction is going to slow down and 
perhaps level off. Uh, right now, there's no sign of overbuilding on a national basis. Uh, most major markets are really meeting the demand that they have. But if you extrapolate that two, three, four years, at some point, this question is going to become much more of a, of a, of a current concern. Uh, and then the third is the valuation. Right now, I'm a little bit more optimistic than my colleague Brad about what current valuations are. I think they're well supported by the fundamentals. But if you continue to have the very strong price gains that we have year after year, of course, they could lead to some of the cycles we've seen in the past, um, but we have yet to see if that's the case. It's certainly not the case right now. What's your quick answer to the amount of demand that we're seeing for commercial real estate property from you know, domestic and foreign and commercial real estate? If, uh, if interest rates rise and there's other investment opportunities, do you think we'll have the same type of demand? Oh yeah, I think so. Um, because uh, you know, number one, as I mentioned, REITs, REITs offer a combination of investment attributes um, that investors really value that they're not getting from others. Um, that is to say, a strong total returns, as, as we said, slightly better than the rest of the stock market over long periods of time, uh, with relatively low volatility compared to other, you know, similar investments in the stock market and that very very strong diversification but on top of that you know as Calvin mentioned we, we we've been seeing strengthening in strengthening in the economy we think there's what we call latent demand um, which is people who are not yet currently looking for real estate uh, looking to, to, to rent an apartment uh, not yet currently looking to uh, to fill out more office space but they have it in their minds. And as soon as their financial situation has improved just a little bit, they're going to be back in the market. Uh, I would agree with that. And we're going to take a short break. When we get back, we'll talk about the real estate cycle. Where are we? I'm Michael Ball. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Stay with us. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. You just missed me playing air guitar. Welcome back. Today we're talking about the REIT market, Real Estate Investment Trust. We have Calvin Schnorr and Brad Case with us from NAREIT. And gentlemen, uh, a lot of people think that we're a little long and the tooth in this cycle. And as everyone knows, uh, commercial real estate cycles. And uh, so where are we today uh, in this cycle? Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned earlier on that the, the real estate market cycle is very different from the stock market cycle. The stock market cycle may be something like four years in average duration. For real estate, it's more like 18 years. And it's really only eight and a half years ago that we uh, that we hit the hit the top of the market in early 2007. So I really think we're we're uh, we're not more than about halfway through this cycle. I think. Uh, REIT investors are likely to see several years of, of strong, uh, several more years of strong, uh, in, uh, strong growth going forward. The reason I say that is not just that we're only eight and a half years from the start of the cycle, but as Calvin was saying, construction has been very, very low. Uh, that you know that creates an imbalance uh, between low construction and, and high demand for commercial real estate, and that imbalance works to the advantage of REIT investors. Well, I hope you can see me. I'm doing the Snoopy dance over here. I, I love that <laughs> that news. But, and you know, it makes some sense, too. I mean, we've had a very slow recovery, so maybe that anticipated demand that, uh, uh, that you spoke of earlier uh, that will come back. And, and then you had talked about the, the lack of new construction. And one of the things I seem to be hearing from our guests and our clients 
uh, when uh, new development is these uh, construction costs, especially labor, has really skyrocketed. You know, what's that? What could that possibly do with commercial real estate values, and and then in turn REITs? That's really going to depend on what part of the market you're in. Uh, we are seeing late, some labor scarcity driving up wages. Uh, some of the the materials costs are up as well, and that's going to be a big negative impact if you're a developer. If you want to be putting up an office building, if you want to be putting up residential real estate, if you're doing any type of construction, this is going to add to your costs and it's going to you know, mean that you're going to have to get a higher bid for, for the project that you're planning to do. Uh, this has a very different impact, though, on someone who's owning a current building. If you have a building that's already been, been built, um, rising construction costs is probably going to damp some of the new supply that comes online in two years, three years down the road. We were talking just a few minutes ago, I said one of the warning signs about being overbuilt would be if construction would continue to increase at the pace that we've seen over the past two, three years. Well, the rise of construction costs are one thing that leads me to believe you're going to see some leveling off in the new buildings that are coming online. Uh, that's going to ultimately help to prevent having a real boom-bust cycle for the existing buildings that are out there. So it really matters where you are. If you're a developer, these rising construction costs are a worry. Uh, if you're holding on to a building, uh, it's good. But it's, you know that, that kind of news about rising construction costs is exactly what causes me to do my own little Snoopy dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, because all the existing properties that these REITs own, uh, like you said, they're, they're not developers, they're property owners, right? So their values go up, and there's less competition, so rents can go up. And we've got to go here in just a minute, but I wanted to ask you guys, tell us about a couple of the tools. Don't you have some videos and some apps that are available on your site? Yeah. We have we have several several tools that investors can use. They can get in they can get information on you know the progress of the REIT market through the day by going to REIT.com. They can also get market commentary that Calvin or I, or I or occasionally other people will put up on the on the website talking about you know recent uh, information that's come out from say the Federal Federal Reserve or other sources and what effect that is likely to have on the real estate market. Um, we have uh, we have our own web interviews. Uh, we some what's been happening in the market, uh, which segments of the REIT industry um, have outperformed recently relative to others. There are lots of tools that investors can use at REIT.com. Yeah, I'm glad you, you brought it up because there's some great tools. I recommend our listeners and viewers go to REIT.com. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. That's a pleasure. Thank you. Well, we appreciate it. And thank you for joining us out there on the 42 radio stations, iTunes, YouTube, and the show website. Be sure to join us next week. We'll have Deloitte's Outlook on commercial real estate. They're going to look into the future for us in their crystal ball. So until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnext, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnext.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit commercialsearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.